Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? Some of you may be watching online somewhere in another part of the country, but we are experiencing our first snow of the, of the fall and winter. You guys excited about that? Yeah, first snow out there. Hopefully it doesn't accumulate, because uh, I don't like it, but... Anyway, hey, if this is your first time here with us today at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at Banta or Franklin or Garfield Park or at our new Seymour campus or if you're watching online or here at Greenwood, we want to say and give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests? I sincerely, I sincerely want to uh, express that you've been invited by a friend who really cares deeply about you and believes that you'll be blessed by, what you, uh, by what's going on in and through Emmanuel. So thanks for accepting their invitation. And if you're not brand new, welcome back. It's good to see you. We are in the third week of a series right now called The Benjamins, and we are talking about money in church. When you talk about money in church, that's like talking about politics and religion at the Thanksgiving table. It's not recommended, right? We're getting ready to celebrate some Thanksgiving meals. I would recommend you don't talk about politics or masks or vaccines. <laughs> Listen, your pastor has heard from the Lord. Do not bring it up over turkey, okay, if you want to have a good Thanksgiving meal. But we, we do have to talk about money in church because the Bible talks a ton about money. It's incredible how many Bible verses there are concerning money and finances and possessions. There are over 2,300 verses in this book that deal with, the, with money and finances. Jesus told 38 parables. 16 out of his 38 parables had to do with possessions or money. Why does the Bible talk so much about money. And the answer to what we've said in this series is because life and money or money and life are, are intertwined. I mean, there's not much you can do in life without money. Can you have friendship without money? I mean, you can. I mean, but how many times are you going to tell your friends, I forgot my wallet in the car? I did that last night with some friends. Uh, you can get away with that sometimes, but not all the time, right? Because it takes money to have friendship. It takes money to, to get married. Anybody try to get married without money? really hard to do that. It takes money to, 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 to have a car and to drive and to have a job. It takes money to do everything in life, to have, to have glasses, to have shoes. You have to have a source of income. This is my most expensive prop. There's lots of money here. One, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700. There's a lot of cash here. I think there's about $800 here. So this is a lot of money right here. Some of you might be tempted to come up here and take it after the service. But this is fake. <laughs> but it looks really good, doesn't it? It looks like real money. 
Somebody actually put it in the offering bucket last week. We found you out. We found you out. You thought you were going to fool us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, nobody did that. Um, it's actually movie money. But we've got to talk about money in church because Jesus talked about money. Money and life are intertwined. It's, not, it's like oxygen. What can you really do without oxygen? Nothing. You can't do much without money. And so we've been talking about how because money and life are intertwined, we're forced into a relationship with it. Whether you hate it, whether you love it, or you're somewhere in between, you have to deal with it in order to live your life and send kids to college and have a retirement. You have to be able to deal with money. And so we're forced into this relationship. What we said in the first week is that some of us have a healthy relationship with it, and a lot of us have an unhealthy relationship with it. And when we have an unhealthy relationship with money, it can really devastate your life. You can end up taking a job that you should have never taken because it paid more. You can end up overspending it and end up with tons and piles of debt that stresses you out in your life. It can cause marital issues. In fact, the number one cause of marital tension is still finances and money and handling of money. You could actually love it so much that you do something illegal and get in trouble in the pursuit of more money. We have to have a healthy relationship with money. In order to do that, we need to have some proper thoughts about money. And that's why we've been looking into the Bible to see, you know, what does the Bible say about money so that we can relate to it in a healthy way? And it's in week number one, we talked about how money is a test. It's a test of our work ethic. It's a test of our character. It's a test of our stewardship. It's a test of our love for others. If you missed that, you can check it out on YouTube. And then last week, we talked about how money is simply options. When you have cash in your pocket, you can fix your own problems, and then you can help fix the problems of some other people. And last week, we, we collected a dollar per person of, out of all of our campuses, and I'm so excited to, to show you where that money went at the end of the service today to bless someone. And so money gives you options. Today, I want to look at another idea about money that will help us to develop or relate to it in a healthy way. Before we get to that, I, I saw a statistic last week that blew me away. 64% of Americans are not prepared for retirement. 64%. And most of them don't even care. Don't even care. Because we're living in the moment. We're living in the now. We're living in the, you know, the, the, the present. And we're just, we're just all about right, what's going on right now in our lives. What does that mean, 64% of Americans are not ready for retirement? It means that 64% of Americans will retire, hit retirement age with less than $10,000 to their name. That's incredible. That's going to produce some pain in people's lives. Think about all the people that are going to have to suddenly change their lifestyle, their style of living, because they, 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 they are suddenly, they lose their income and they're not prepared to retire. Think about how that's, you could potentially become a burden to your children or even to your grandchildren because you haven't done what you needed to do in order to retire. Think about how even in your old age, when you hit 70 or 80, you're going to have to continue to work when you don't want to work. Why? Because you didn't, you didn't plan well enough. Think about how you're not going to be able to give your, your kids or your grandkids an inheritance. Did you know the Bible says that, that we should do that? Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good person leaves and, say it with me, an inheritance. Not to their kids, but to their grandkids. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to plan well enough so that we can give them not just financial resources, but also a godly inheritance, right? Why are Americans spending so much of what they make? Why are we doing that? What, what's going on? 
I believe that, that the reason why we're spending so much, and, and we are spending a ton of money. In fact, the average American spends over their budget $143 a week. $143 past their budget. You add that up over a year's time, that's $7,400 that we're going into debt every single year. Over 10 years, that's $74,000 in debt. Right now, the, the credit card debt for Americans is $1.1 trillion, which makes complete sense. If everyone's overspending $143 a week, why are we spending so much money, so much of the money that we are making? Why are we doing that? I think there's several reasons. I think, first of all, the, the big idea is that we, we think that the purpose of money is for spending. We think that this comes into our pocket so that we can spend it. And, and, and that's partially true, but that's not the only purpose behind money. But most of us, are get, we're, we're getting paid and then we spend what we make, what we, what, 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 we, what, we, what we make. And what that means is that we are paycheck to paycheck. Money comes in, money comes out. And not only does it go out, we spend more than we actually make to the tune of $143 a week. This is crushing us. Why do we do this? Why do we spend so much of what we make? We view money as something to be spent. There are four reasons. Number one is insecurity. Insecurity. A lot of people spend this money to feel better about themselves. They'll buy stuff and buy stuff and buy stuff to try to satisfy or meet this, this need to feel secure, to feel important. Another one is we're, we have out of control desire. I was with a friend of mine last night. We went out and, and I've got a beautiful car. I really do. I'm so blessed and I love my car. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a Kia Telluride and, 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 and it's, it's, it was a gift to me. And it's, I just love it, just love it. But I was in a Tesla last night. Man, my buddy hit the gas, and my back hit the chair, like G-forces. And I said to my wife, I've got to get one of these. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way we are, right? It's like, and then, and then we're, so we have, we have what we need, but then we got, this, we got desires for other things. And these, we're constantly being told and shown commercials, and what do our friends have? And it's... Out of control. Now, if I listen to those desires, just like anybody else, I'll start spending more, what? More of the Benjamins. See, that's how it works. Out of control desire. Another one is keeping up with the others. Like, we that was jealousy. There's just this feeling of like, well, I want to be, I want to have what they have. Why do they get to have a pool? I want to have a pool. So we spend a hundred grand on a pool. That's what they cost these days. Another reason is no budget. No budget. Did you know that 70 4% of Americans say that they have a budget, but of that 74, 79% say they don't stick to it. <laughs> I mean, what good is a budget if you don't stick to it, right? My, my, my favorite definition of, of a budget comes from John Maxwell. He said that a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. If you're having conversations with people in your house, like, where did it all go? <laughs> like, that's why you're overspending, because you do not have a spending plan. You do not have a budget. You know, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that rich people have wealth. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Now, we think in our world today that, that the rich people got lucky or somebody cut the pie up differently. And there you know, are these you know, evil rich people. But that's not what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21. It says, the wise, the wise have wealth and luxury. 
Not the lucky, not the, the rich, but the wise. What does that mean? It means that the wise, they, they see money differently. They don't see this as something to be spent. Money doesn't come into their house and then leave their house, and by the way, more leave their house than actually came in. No, that's, that's called foolish. In fact, if you're paycheck to paycheck and you spend more than you make, the Bible actually calls you a fool. Listen, but fools spend whatever they get. You say, Pastor Danny, you're calling me a fool. No, I didn't. The Bible did. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm out of this. Take me out of the equation, okay? The Bible says you are a fool if you spend everything that you make. The wise do something very, very different with their money. They don't view it just as something to spend. We'll get to that in just a second. But let me talk a little bit more about how consistent overspending generates pain. I've seen it as a pastor. The pastors here on staff are constantly talking to folks in the church about the pain that has come from overspending $143 a week. Did you know that, I read an article this week that said that people who overspend and have mounds of debt and their budget is out of order are three times more likely to suffer from poor mental health. What does that mean? That means depression, anxiety, and stress, and thoughts of suicide. And there have been many people because of financial pressure that have chosen to commit suicide. Three times as likely. It messes with your head when your money is out of order, when you're overspending. It can limit your career opportunities. We've already talked about how it's the number one cause of stress in marriage. It can affect your health. Overspending, being, having an out of order financial life causes pain and generates pain in our life. Dave Ramsey woke me up to this years ago. Years ago, I'm like, I gotta get, I gotta get all this money stuff, I gotta get it in order because I don't wanna have internal problems and stress and anxiety, fear about the future. I want to have financial peace. That's God's plan for, for money in your life. This is supposed to be a blessing to you, not a curse. This is supposed to help you and then it's supposed to position you to help others. That's the purpose of this. We said last week that money is a tool to bless you and to be a blessing to others. So the wise have wealth and luxury. What do they do? Fools spend everything they get. That's what Proverbs 21 says. How do they view money? Here's the new idea. Here's, gonna, here's what's going to help you and I relate to money in a healthy way. Money is made to work. It's made to work. Money's made to work. It's not made to spend. I mean, yes, you, you, you make it and, and you have to spend some of it, but then you get, you get it to work for you. You tell it what to do. You tell all these Benjamins, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to go to work. And here's how you are going to go to work. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the idea of investing. Investing money. What is investing? What does it mean to invest? Well, the, the, the dictionary uh, definition is simple. It's the outlay of money. You put, you put money out and then, and then it, you, you get a return on that money. That's called an investment. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. You say, does the Bible teach that we should invest? You bet it. You bet it does. Listen to what King Solomon said, who happened to be the richest person to walk this planet if you consider inflation and all that stuff. Listen to what Solomon said. He said, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks may lie 
ahead. Not only does the Bible teach to invest, but it teaches the idea of diversification. (laughs) Take your money. Don't just invest it in one place. Don't put your eggs in one basket. Don't put it all in gold. Don't put it all in Bitcoin or Shiba coin or whatever that's called. (laughs) Shiba. (laughs) Don't take it all and put it in one place. Put it in, in, in eight or nine different places. Because you don't know when the next 2008 is going to come. You don't know when the next, you know, uh, housing crash is going to come. You don't know when the next stock market crash is going to come. So spread out your investments. What is an investment? It's an outlay of money so that you can receive profit in return. Jesus used, in, Jesus used investing as a metaphor for life in the kingdom. Did you know that? In, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus told this little parable. He said, you know, there's this master who goes away and he, and he gives his, his, uh, his servants uh, certain diff- different amounts of talents or bags of silver. And to one servant, he gave five bags of silver. And to another servant, he gave two bags of silver. And to another, one, he gave one. And, and so the first servant takes the five bags and he invests it. This is Jesus talking, Matthew 25. You can look it up when you get home. The first servant invests the money and he, re- he gets five bags back. And the master returns and he gives him the five bags and, the, and, and, and Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. The second guy invested the two bags of silver and he got two bags back. And Jesus said the same thing. Well done, my good and faithful. You invested the money and you got a great return. The third guy just took the money and shoved it in a hole. Didn't do anything with it. Listen to what Jesus said to this third guy. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Why didn't you invest? See, basically Jesus is saying, here's how life works. Here's how the kingdom works. I give you talents and abilities and skills and, some of, and sometimes just cash. And, and I'm going to hold you responsible for what you did with it. And your job is to make it better. Your job is to get profit from it. Your job is to invest your talents and skill and further the kingdom of God. You say, wait a second, wait a second. I thought investing was gambling. <laughs> isn't it gambling? I mean, didn't, I mean, and isn't gambling a sin? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't have all the answers. I don't think gambling is a sin. Could it become a sin? Probably, like anything else. If you get addicted to it, if you start losing money, if, it's on your mind all the time. It can become an idol, and then it, then it can become sinful. It's like anything else. Probably falls into the category of wise or unwise. But investing is not gambling, and let me tell you why. Gambling is a, is a situation where it's a win-lose scenario. I need you to lose in order for me to win. Right? That you're playing cards, you're playing blackjack. Like Everybody's got to lose in order for me to win. So... It's, that's not investing. Investing is when you, is when you get you know, a group of people to invest in a company and when the company does well or whether the gold does well or silver does well or Bitcoin does well or whatever it is, everybody wins. It's a win-win scenario. Now, when the company goes bad, like everybody loses. So you gotta be careful. You gotta be wise. There is risk involved. But you can mitigate that risk by being a wise investor. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of talent and a lot of work. But no, investing 
is not gambling. Another question people ask me is, well, how much should I invest? How much? That's a big question. And I'll just defer to Dave Ramsey, the expert, because I'm not the expert on investing and I don't give good advice on investing. In fact, I'm, yeah, I won't tell you about all the times I've lost. <laughs> but Dave Ramsey says you should take 15%. This is right off of his website. Here at Ramsey Solutions, we tell people that you should take 15% of it, of, of your gross income, to build wealth for retirement. Why does he say 15%? He goes on to explain that that's a really good number for people with a family so that they can also pay a mortgage or pay the rent or, and also save for their kids' college education. It's a, it's a, but it's also enough money for you 20 years, 25 years, 30 years down the line to retire well and not be a burden to your family and get to stop working and not have to, you know, like he says, cook Alpo three different ways to survive. <laughs> you say, when should I start? When should I start? Well, investing, if you look at the Dave Ramsey for the seven baby steps, he says step number one, save $1,000 for emergency funds. Step number two, pay off all your debt, credit card debt, all that stuff, except for your house. Step number three, he says save three to six months of, of emergency, emergency funds. We talked about that last week because money gives you options when stuff comes up. And then after you do that, step number four, save 15% for your kids uh, for your retirement. And then after that is college, college funding. That's when you do it. That's when you, pay, when you pay off your debt and you have three to six months expenses, then you start to invest. You know, it, it was Albert Einstein who said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He knew what he was talking about. I, I've been using this book in the series, The Psychology of Money, very interesting book, not, not, not a spiritual book, but just a different way to think about money and relate to money. And he's got a chapter in here called confounding compounding and he starts the chapter with this uh, uh, quote or this idea about Warren Buffett he says this 81.5 billion of Warren Buffett's 84.5 billion net worth came catch this after his 65th birthday now he he was a billionaire before he was 65 but think about think about the reality he made $81 billion after he turned 65. How did he do that? He goes on to say, our minds are not built to handle such absurdities. <laughs> and he talks about how it's, it it's all comes down to the magic of compounding. See, there are a lot of investors out there that do much better than Warren Buffett when you look at their returns. You know, Warren's not the best investor. What does Warren Buffett have on his side? time. That's it. Time. Does he get good at returns? Yeah, he gets good returns, but there, a lot of people get better returns on their, on their picks. Warren's got time. He's got a decade after a decade after a decade after another decade after another decade after another decade. And, and what happens with compound interest, and I'm not a wizard on this stuff by any means whatsoever, is that you know, you make interest one year and then that interest is reinvested and then you make the second year, you make interest on the new total amount and then that just continues to snowball, 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 snowball until it's just out of control. It gets bonkers. Compound interest. That's why Albert Einstein said it's the eighth wonder of the world. If you're not investing, you are missing out on the power of compound interest. Now, I'm not up here giving investment advice. I'm just telling you what Solomon said. Money is made 
to work. Most of us think that we get more so that we can spend more. Most of us are working for money. But really, and I missed this, this little fill-in in your notes there, God's plan is, is for money to work for you, not for you to work for it. That's God's plan. That's the new thought I want to give you today, and, and, and it'll change your life. Years ago, I came, I, I came across this idea in a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Has anybody read that book? It's a must-read. I read it in college. And I really know what I was reading at the time, but as I talked to other people and I started to put, put some things together in my mind. I realized that, that I'm not supposed to work for money, that money is supposed to work for me. Instead of buying liabilities, and what is a liability? Kiyosaki explains this in the book. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. An asset is something that puts money into your pocket. He said that his rich dad taught him to buy assets, not liabilities. Changed my whole life. What was he saying, really? He was saying, put money to work. So years ago, when Jackie and I first started at the church here, the church offers a 403B plan, which is the same thing as a 401K, except for nonprofits. And so we're like, just put money in there every month. Every month, no matter what, just put money in it. Why? To take advantage of the compound interest. That was like 20 years ago. So it's been two decades now. You think we're doing okay? Anybody? No? Is the market done okay in the last 20 years? I'm not bragging. I don't even know what I'm invested in. I have no clue. I just know that we put money in every single month, every single month, every single month. And, and, and over two decades, it has grown and grown and grown. And then we also like to do, invest in real estate because what does the Bible say? Put your money in different places because you don't know what the future holds. So invest in different things. And so over time, that has compounded and that has gone. You think we're doing okay? Not because, see, a lot of people think you have to make a lot of money to have a lot of money, but you don't. You don't need to. You could take a very little amount of money and put that money to work if that's the way you think about money. And then once that money starts working for you, that's when it starts to accumulate over time. Let me go back to what Proverbs 21 says. The wise have wealth and luxury, not the rich, not the rich, not the NBA players who make $5 million a year. Yes, they have money. They're working for it. But the average person doesn't get wealthy or have luxury because they make a lot of money. They, they just, they're wise with it. They don't spend everything that they make. So my question I want to leave with you today, and it's usually not one that you hear in church, much like last week, but I believe we're, we're getting new ideas here, not new, but fresh ideas here about money. Here's the, here's the question. Are you working for money or is money working for you? Are you working for money or is money working for you? Man, I've, my whole life I've worked for money. Okay, we've got to switch that. We've got to switch that. We've got to now take the money and we've got to put the money to work. Did you know you can go to Ramsey.com, DaveRamsey.com, and they actually have this thing called SmartVestor. You can just type it in SmartVestor, okay? What Dave Ramsey will do, this is amazing, he will connect you with a financial planner, a financial uh, advisor for free. For free. The connection is free. Now, if you choose to work with that person, then, you, then, there's a, then there's a fee. But they will get you started, and you can have a meeting for free. Like, there's, like, so many opportunities out there for you today to begin and to start 
investing and spreading out those investments because who knows what the future really holds. Are you working for your money? Or is your money working for you? You know, one of the best things that I do uh, in this area is just talk to people. I just talk to people. I, I want to know, like, who, 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 who's out there that's really good at this? And then I want to have a conversation with them. And that's something that you can do as well. Who's out there that, you know, that, that, that is wise and doesn't just have a couple of ideas about money, but they're broke? No, they have ideas about money, but they're prospering and they're successful and they have financial peace. Have a conversation. How do you do that? How does that work? I always ask a ton of questions with people I meet. How does that work? Can you explain that to me? Because I don't know. And I just find out answers all the time. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you could do that. That's an interesting philosophy. That's an interesting strategy. I just learned something. I go back to the house, talk to Jackie about it. What, what do you think about this idea? To generate or to invest more income. Why? Why? So that we can be rich? So we can finally get that Tesla? No. No. We want to meet needs in our family and send our kids to college and then... When all that's taken care of, we want to be able to bless the community and bless you, have this church bless everybody here. That's our heart. Money is a tool to take care of yourself and then to turn and to take care of others. So talk to somebody. Go to DaveRamsey.com. Look up the Smart Investor. If you're struggling with budget stuff, we got a little QR code in the notes there. There's a video um, connected to the notes that's how to set up an easy budget, how to work with that. It's actually Dave Ramsey's daughter that does the video. Just scan that QR code and she'll walk you through how to set up a simple budget and to make it work. Is your money working for you or are you working for money? Now, last week we took an offering and we said, hey, we wanna be a blessing to somebody in the community. I asked everybody to just drop a dollar in the box. We collected, guess, guess how much we collected? It's incredible. $7,100. Incredible. And so I asked, we asked all of our campus pastors, hey, can you kind of give us some names of some people that are, that are in, in financial need and struggling? And so um, one person's name came from Garfield Park. His name is Douglas, and he's had a hard go at life. Things have been tough. He's had huge medical problems multiple surgeries, lots of, lots of medical debt. And so we chose him. And this week we went up to Garfield Park and Pastor Chris and I uh, were able to present him the $7,100. His name's Douglas, check this out. Hey, Emmanuel Church, I am Chris Clay, the Garfield Park Campus Pastor. And we are celebrating today something you guys did last weekend. It was the Dollar Club. Danny came down today to share this great news with one of our Impact Team members. Check this out. I was mopping. How I'm you, Danny. Sir? How are you? Nice to, nice to meet you, Douglas. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. You know, right now our church is in a series called The Benjamins, and we've been talking about, you know, 
God's plan for money and you know how money and life are intertwined and so you know we've been talking about you know one of the big ideas is that uh, you know God has given us resources and money to take care of our practical needs yes. and also to help meet the practical needs yes. and solve some of the problems of the people around us we took an action step this weekend and so you know we were, we were talking about you know choosing a family choosing a, a person in our church that really could need could use some help and we chose you <gasps> and so our church would like to offer you and give you this uh, check for $7,100. Oh my God! Oh no! Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, God, cry. Oh my. This to help with the medical bills. Oh. Are you serious? I'm serious. No, I'm good. Oh, oh goodness gracious. Oh, I can't believe this. Oh, you're just amazed. This church is amazed. Oh my God. Oh. God's got his eye on you. Oh, he does. The Lord has been so good to me. Thank you so much. I'm just, oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, everybody. There's a lot of things that money can do. It can, it can solve a lot of your problems, it can, and it really can help solve the problems of other people. And that's, that's our heart behind this series. We want you to have a healthy relationship with money so that it's a blessing to you and not a curse. As we wrap up today, what we've also said in this series is that even though there's a ton of practical things that money can do for us, there's a lot that money can't do for us. Money cannot heal a relationship it cannot get you in a situation where you forgive someone. Um, it can't give you a great relationship with your kids. It can help, but it, it, there's just, it's just a lot that it can't do. And money can never meet the needs of your soul. Oh, we try. Oh, how we try. Buy stuff. But it, it, can, it, it can't do that because it's tangible. And we can't, you can't satisfy a spiritual thirst with something physical. Jesus actually, this is what I think Jesus was, was chasing after or putting his finger on when he said these words. He said, what is it benefit if you gain the whole world? If you own it all, if you have $81 billion, what does it benefit if you lose your soul? And then he says this, is anything worth more than your soul? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. There's no amount of money, there's no possessions. There's, we should not sacrifice our soul in, for the pursuit of money. That's why he said you cannot love me and love money at the same time. God cares about your soul. And the temptation is to try to satisfy our soul with money by chasing after it or the things that money can buy. Don't fall for that. I was backstage before the service and I just felt this impression on my heart, like, say these words. Don't fall for that. Somebody needs to hear it. I don't know who. But you've been chasing money because you think it'll make you happy. And here's the word for you today. Don't fall for that. It can't work. It won't work. Only God can satisfy your soul. And he's done everything possible to make that happen. God the Father sent Jesus Christ to this earth to redeem us, to purchase us, 
to reconcile us back to himself, to put us in our proper place, to give us peace and joy. Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He paid the price for your sin, for the sin of the whole world. And when we trust in him, we receive him as our savior. We receive his spirit. His very spirit comes to live inside of our hearts. And he begins to work in us and satisfy us. He called himself the living water. He called himself the bread of life. Why did he say these things? Why did he compare himself to that, to water and bread? It's because he knew, we knew that, that, that water satisfies and quenches the thirst and that bread satisfies the stomach, the hunger that we have. Jesus says, look, you have a soul. It was made for me. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. Trust in me. Stop pursuing money. Stop pursuing wealth. It will not satisfy your soul. Some of you needed to hear that today. So as I close today, I'm going to say a prayer. And you know if it's for you or not. But if it is for you, you need to take these words and you need to reach out to God in faith and trust him. And ask him to save you from your sin. Forgive you. He will. It's a prayer he loves to answer. And then ask him to satisfy your soul, to fill you with his spirit right now. Will you pray with me if you feel led to? It only takes the faith of a child. God sees it. Reach out to him even now. Just say this to him, dear Jesus, I need you. My soul is thirsty. I've been chasing after all the wrong things. I believe you are the Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. To redeem me, to forgive me, to make me your own child. And so I ask, I reach, I believe, forgive my sin, cleanse my heart, fill my soul, even right now, with joy and with peace, with your very spirit, and make me your child. Forgive my sin, I trust in you, that you came back to life, after you died, you rose again to purchase me and to make me your own. So I trust you today. And from this day forward, help me. Help me to follow you and to trust you, to love you, to obey you, to honor you, to please you with my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to rejoice with you. Amen. God is changing hearts. So excited to be a part of. Hey, someone helped me. When I put my faith in Christ when I was 17, I didn't get a box like this, but this is what we made. Somebody gave me a Bible and encouraged me to uh, start reading it. And
praying and memorizing scripture. And so that's kind of what we put together for you inside this box. We call it our save box. There is a Bible. There's a reading plan in there. And there's also some other fun stuff. Uh, a coffee mug to say congratulations. Some instructions on how to get connected to the church. If you would text the word save to 65248, whatever campus you're at, you can go back to the information desk and grab one of these. If you're watching online, put a little information in there and we'll send one of these to you in the mail if you pray to receive Christ today. Can we give God glory one more time, church? Amen. God's plan for money, God's plan for money is for it to work for you, not for you to work for it. Is your money working for you? Are you investing? Reach out to smartvestor.com. Start to talk to people. Spread out your investments in different places because you don't know what the future holds so that you can have money for your family and then you can have money to bless other people. God bless you guys. Right now, I'm gonna hand things off to the local teams. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.